Hey there and welcome to Soul Church. Our prayer is that this message encourages you wherever you may be in life. You know, we've been hearing so many stories about what God is doing in people's lives and we'd love to hear yours. So take a second and send your story to stories at soulchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us today and we hope that you enjoy the message. God bless. So Father God, we ask you, Father, now as we jump into this final part of the Love Thy Neighbor series that you would speak through me. Father, this will be the most challenging one yet, Father, and I pray that it would stir up something inside of our hearts, Father God, to go and reach the lost in this, this season, this festive season. Amen. 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 Just, let's just stand and read this final part together. Matthew chapter 22, verse 36. Jesus is asked a, a question. It's been our, our series passage. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Of all the 1613 Jewish laws, Jesus responds and he says this. Come on, verse 37. Let's read this together. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like this. Love your neighbor as yourself. Amen. All right, now you can take a seat. Our goal in the series is to take the command off the pages of the Bible into our hearts and onto the streets. Week one, we looked at our objection. Everyone is waiting to discover that they are someone, someone who is loved by God. Week two, Steve spoke a brilliant message on action. Christ's love into action, practical ways we can love our neighbors. Last week was invitation for us to go and accept the three invitations from the parable of the Good Samaritan. Notice the need, push past the barriers, pay the price. Did that help, that message last week? Okay, and this series is definitely a whole lot easier to listen to or preach than practice. Has anyone been challenged? I've been really challenged myself with this series, and it's not going to get any easier today. So week four, okay, week four, we've had objection, action, invitation. Week four is salvation. Okay, so I want you, if you have it, to take out your love thy neighbor card. I've produced these little series note cards for you just to jot down any thoughts, any takeaways, comments as we go. Now, I'm going to ask you, no, I'm not going to ask you, I'm going to beg you today to take notes on your phone or whatever you can, okay? Because um, as I was putting this together over the past past couple of days, this is probably the most critical message I've ever spoken. Okay, it's probably the most critical message I've ever spent time on, and it is, it's mission critical. So I want us to make sure, I'm going to say some things, I want you to jot them down and help you, because as you go through uh, the next 12 months, it's going to help you. And so, okay, we all have desires. We all have desires. We might not realize it, but we all have a longing to feel four things. The first one is a sense of worth. Feeling valued. Everyone likes to feel valued. Second sense is a sense of purpose. Knowing what God's called us to do on earth. Knowing what life's all about. The third is a sense of belonging. Being part of something. That's why people join a a golf club or people join a theater group or people come to church as well because they want to feel part of a community. But one of the greatest human desires is legacy. Legacy. What have I left on earth for when I have gone? And legacy, we think, in the terms of accomplishments, achievements, maybe your name is on a plaque on a wall somewhere, well done. 
Okay, maybe your name will be on a bench in a park. Maybe you'll write a book. Maybe you will lead, leave thousands, hundreds of thousands, maybe millions to your children or your grandchildren. And all these things are good. But the challenge with them is they're all temporary. They will all fade away. Eventually, the name on the bench will disappear as the wood rots. We've all known parents who've left money to their children and their children have squandered it away. If you really want to leave a a legacy, make an eternal impact, it's this. It's bringing someone into God's family. Bringing someone into God's family. Approximately 65 years ago, on South World Beach, a mission group led by a few passion young adults led my dad as a young boy to Jesus on a beach 65 years ago. I don't know their names. They're possibly all gone now. But the legacy of their lives now lives on. Through my sister and I, through our spouses, through our children. And at least half a dozen times a year, I bump into someone who tells me that my dad had a direct or an indirect impact on leading them to Jesus. Last week, I met a gentleman on the door. I'd never seen him before. He said, said, are you Murray Norman's son? I said, yes. Last time I checked, I said... He said, I just want you to know that your dad had a huge part to play in leading me to Christ. Never met him before. I'm leaving, I'm leaving church today. Another man, because I said this in the first, he came up to me and said, your dad did exactly the same thing. I was his ice cream man. <laughs> Hello. Remember Hemglass? Hemglass man? Some of you are like, yeah, I remember the Hemglass. Yeah, yeah. The old school. Old school ice cream. Legacy. One of the most moving moments in the historical drama Schindler's List was the final scene when Oscar Schindler realizes he could have saved more Jews from extermination if he had just done one or two more things. I want to show you one of the most powerful clips of that film. I could have got more out. Oscar, there are 1,100 people who are alive because of you. Look at them. If I made more money, (laughs) I threw away so much money. (laughs) You have no idea. If I just... There will be generations because of what you did. Person. Person is there. 
voces. Ay, what an incredibly moving scene. It challenges me every time I watch that film. As we look back on history, I'm on how I will look back on my life. Could I have done more with what I have to help more people find faith in Jesus? Schindler was able to save 1,100 Jews from most certain death. But the greatest thing we can ever do with our lives is to secure somebody else's eternal salvation. Why? Why do we do that? Because that person will thank you and I for the rest of eternity. There's no greater legacy. If you're taking notes, write this down. There is no greater legacy than leading someone to Jesus. Of all the accomplishments, degrees, of all the things you'll achieve in college, in university, in work, and career, the greatest accomplishment and achievement will always be to bring someone into the family of God. Philemon said in chapter 1, verse 5, he said, I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of your love and faith which you towards the Lord Jesus and towards all the saints, that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. We've got to move our faith from showing to sharing. Everything up until this point is about being showing Jesus. And I am all about it, okay? Absolutely. All the practical, non-religious, all the generosity, all the acts of kindness, all those things. But there has to come a point where we cross the line and say, now where the rubber heats the road, we've got to move people to Jesus. Paul describes it, if not, it's just a a clanging symbol. Imagine loving someone all the way and then stop loving. The greatest love is when you lead people to Jesus. And our goal is to move conversation to salvation. So I'm going to start with a really challenging question for all of us today. When was the last time you and I led someone to Jesus? Not led them to church, not bought them a coffee, not helped them with their flat tire on the side of the road. And please, I'm not belittling any of those incredible acts of kindness. But when was the last time we led someone personally to Jesus? I studied this this week, that statistics, the last statistic was 95% of Christians have never led anyone to Jesus. I said it wasn't going to be an easy one. What if somebody asked your eye to lead them to Jesus? What if we were on a bus and someone said, I hear that you're a Christian, I've watched you, can you lead me to Jesus? What would we do? Would our next, would our next action be, oh, you should come to church? That's not necessarily a bad response. But do you and I know how to lead someone to Jesus? I mean, we, we, you know, we can't ask them to hold on while we Google it. Hang on, let me, let me call Steve. I'll put him on. Steve might be on a date night. What about this? What about if we all felt confident? 
Because I don't think it's because we don't want to. I think it's about knowing how to and then having the confidence to follow through. Okay, I think it's actually, who would agree it's actually about knowing how and confidence? Who would lead someone to Jesus if they felt confident and they knew how to? Oh, the right message. All right, so I want to share the message is titled, How to Lead My Neighbor to Jesus. I mean, this is practical. I'm going to share seven life-changing steps to help us lead our neighbors, our family members to Jesus. Okay, not to lead them to church. I'm not going to talk about church at all in this message. Okay, because there will be a strong possibility when conversations arise around faith, they don't happen in the walls of church. Okay, because when we get to church, we talk about everything else but church, because we're in church. How true is that? You don't talk about church in church. Outside of church, you talk about church. Okay, so number one, if you're taking notes, here's the first step. First step, listen to them share their story. This is mission critical. When we listen, we become their friend. Listening builds credibility. Now, I thought long and hard about saying this, but I'm going to say it anyway. You cannot win your enemies to Jesus. Everyone's like, hmm. When was the last time you won your enemy to Jesus? You win your friends to Jesus. You win your friends to Jesus. And then your friend becomes Christ's friend. Shouting on the street corner in this day and age actually does the exact opposite effect to what we want. Why? Because people want to be heard. People want to be listened to. People want to know that you care. Before people ask, is Jesus real? They're actually asking, are you real? That's what they're asking. And before people ask, can the Bible be trusted? They're asking, can you or I be trusted? Very good. Listening builds friendship. Our world is desperate for listeners. Maybe you say, John, I've been coming to church for a while and I just don't fit in. I don't have a role to play. No one needs me. Can you listen? Because if you can listen, we need you. Because people are coming into church, people are around in our world, they need people to listen. Listening builds a bridge of love from your heart to their heart, which Jesus will eventually walk across. Listening builds a bridge, and Jesus will eventually walk over it. Romans 12, 13, Paul talks to the church, he says, practice hospitality. A major part of hospitality is listening. Inviting people into our homes, into our lives, sharing meals and listening. I found this, that we'll we'll always win more people to Christ by listening to them rather than talking to them. Listening. You know, everybody on planet Earth has a deep, deep, deep desire to be listened to. To have have their story listened to. We all have a story. People want to hear, have their story heard. They want to even have their feelings validated. They, they, they want to be understood. You know, very few people in our world anymore, we listen. That's why pay, people pay big, big money to go to a counselor 
what what does counselors do? They sit there and they listen. Isn't it sad we now live in a world where we have to pay people to listen? Wow. Proverbs 18.13 says, always listen. The wisest man who ever lived, King Solomon, he said this, always listen before you answer. Everyone likes to share their story. You know, listening is the key into a person's heart. Start of this year, who loves Amazon Prime or Amazon? I love Amazon, okay? Start of the year, and um, we've, 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 we've got our Amazon driver. He's been the same driver pretty much consistently for the whole year. Start of the year, um, God said this to me. He says, you don't even know your Amazon driver's name. And by the way, you probably don't either. Because they've got one job. Get that parcel out of the van into your, in, in, into your porch. And I got challenged that I don't even know my Amazon's name driver's name. So then I, it, was, it, was, it was the summer, and I offered him an ice cream. I'll tell you what, that ice cream just opened up his heart. He just told me his story, where he was from, how he ended up in Norwich, and we've just struck up a rapport over the last six months. It started with just listening to his story. I had no idea of what has happened to get him where he is. Often we think it starts with talking, or shouting, it doesn't. Does my Amazon driver know I'm a Christian? I'm just saying, does your Amazon driver know you're a Christian? 2007, Chantal and I were, went to a gym back in the good old days when we used to go to the gym. <laughs> Green's Gym, if anyone can remember. And uh, went to Green's Gym and after a really heavy workout, <coughs> I went and sat in the sauna. It's always bad when gyms have saunas and steam rooms because anyone else just dodge the first part and go straight into the... So I sat in the sauna. As I was came, this, 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 this guy came in. We were of a similar age. And um, we started talking and I started listening. His name was Spencer. We started listening to Spencer and for the next 45 minutes, and boy, I was sweating. He told me his story. And for the next time in the gym, we'd bump into each other. I just listened to his story. Anyway, 17 years later, I'll cut to the chase at the end, but 17 years later, he's in church, all his children in church, found in the grace of God. He's doing incredible in life. But you know where it started? Listening to their story in the sauna. You know, when you listen for long enough, here's what happens, the next step. And this happens naturally, is you listen to their story. Step number two is you get to share with them your story. Start with listening. Don't take them to the Bible. Okay, one of the things we do is we take people straight to the Bible. Don't do that. Take them to your story. Not just your story, but the stories of God's goodness in your life. Tell them what your life was like before you encountered Jesus. John's gospel tells how Jesus healed a blind man. The hostile leaders kept questioning about Jesus. The man who'd regained his sight simply said this. He said in John 9, 25, One thing I do know. I was blind, but now I see. I'm not sure how it happened. I'm not sure why I deserved it. I'm not sure why Jesus chose me. All I know is I used to be blind, but now I see. Has God ever helped you for a financial situation? Show your hand. That's your story. 
Who's been healed physically? God's healed you physically. This is the first year, and I'm publicly going to share this, the first year in the last five years I've not suffered with pneumonia over the winter season. Here's the thing. That's my story. That's my story. That's my story. Every single one of you students, young people, adults, families, we have a story. Listen to their story. Share your story. Has God ever helped you in a relationship? Who's glad you didn't marry your first date? <laughs> Some of you are like, I did. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I was dating a girl in Australia. True story. True story. We went for dinner together and, uh, and to the Outback Steakhouse, and Chantel was the waitress. True story. And I can honestly say it was the Holy Spirit. I know it's the Holy Spirit because it's still working. Said this, you're with the wrong girl. You're with the wrong girl. And um, yeah, we transitioned. <laughs> Left a wonderful tip. And um, you know what though? That's my story. Who's, who, who, who's been through loss or grief and you've come out the other side? Come on, show me your hand. Have you been through loss and grief? That's your story. That's your story. You've got to use your story. Your story is your weapon. 2009, I think it was, Chantel and I were on a flight from Johannesburg to Sydney. It was a 14, 15-hour flight, and we got to the check-in desk, and uh, the lady behind the desk, she said to us at, at, at J&B, she said, we're upgrading you because um, the seats have oversold. Is that Okay. I mean, is that okay? We're upgrading you. I mean, six foot two me, is that okay that I upgrade you to a bigger seat with a serviette with your dinner? Yes. Okay? So we, were, we, we got upgraded to a, a premium economy. It wasn't quite business class, but the seat goes sort of 45. I mean, I like a 90, but I'll settle for a 45. Okay? Anyway, so we get upgraded. Anyway, we're all like happy and giggly and, you know, you know we get real knife and fork and... <laughs> We get there, and I'm sitting here, there's three in the middle, and there's a gentleman on the left, and he's angry. He is angry. I'm like, is everything okay? He goes, no, I'm furious with this airline. He said, they've just downgraded me. I said, well, we're over the moon. We've just been upgraded. He said, well, for some reason, they've double booked my seat. I was in business class, and I've been downgraded. And so there's happy John and Chantel and angry Mr. T. And so we're sitting there, and um, the Holy Spirit spoke to both of us and said, this is not an accident, this is a moment. I've downgraded him and upgraded you, because you're my children. I've upgraded you, looking after my own, and I want you to share with this man your faith in Jesus. Now, when I get on a plane, there's only one thing, or two things, eat and sleep. I don't even do the movie, I just eat and sleep. And he's like, no, I've upgraded you, share your faith. So for two hours, we start getting into it. And he's like angry at the church, angry at God, angry at everyone, angry at me, angry at the hostess. He's just an angry man. And I'm getting nowhere. Can I just say this? You can never argue someone into the kingdom. You can never argue someone into the kingdom. I tried every theological trick up my sleeve. I've been to Bible school for two years and every single one failed. And my wife is sitting there listening. And she said, let me have a go. 
And so I've failed at the first attempt. And by the way, I'm in the middle. And she just shares her story. Her story of forgiveness, her story of abuse, her story of everything that she's been through as a little girl. Yet she's come out whole on the other side. And this guy is crying. You see, I tried with Bible, theology, and I failed. But Chantel, with her story, see the Bible says you overcome with the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. And in that moment, he melted. About a month later, I got an email to say he'd reconnected with church. And this is the thing. You have a story. We've got to listen to their story, and we've got to share our story. Because listening opens the door for you to share your story. Legacy. Third thing is this. Listen to their story. Share your story. Number three, tell them God's story. Tell them God's story. In Mark chapter 16, verse 15. And by the way, I'm not taking you to the gospel of Mark today. I'm taking you to the testimony of Mark. Wherever you go in the world, tell everyone the good news. I, just, just, just as a little offshoot, wherever. You don't have to go on a special mission to find people and lead them to Jesus. You know, I meet people, I'm going up the city to lead someone to Jesus. I'm like, well, just go and get your hair cut and tell the guy in the chair next door that you love Jesus. You don't have to make... Paul says, just, just, Jesus said, wherever you go. Wherever. God's not asking you to make a special trip. Often when we tell them God's story, we get shy. Whoever gets shy? I get shy sometimes, and we mess up, and maybe we even forget our words. And this is why in Luke chapter 12, 11, it says this, the Holy Spirit will teach us in that very hour what we should say. We don't have to rely on our own strength. I, I found one of the best things to remind, to remind us of, remember when you speak to someone about Jesus, is it's one sinner speaking to another sinner about a savior. So again, it's one sinner, because we're all a sinner, speaking to another sinner about a savior. I'm no better than they are. I've just discovered the good news, that's it. It's just one sinner speaking to another sinner about a savior. And so after sharing your story, go on and explain to them. And this is why it's critical we take some notes today about the problem. The problem in the world is sin. It's not the government, as much as you want to blame the government, okay? It's not anything else. The problem in our world is sin, but the good news is the solution is Jesus. So explain, this is the problem, sin, and this is probably the best verse that you can share, Romans 6.23, the cost of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So I'm going to share some helpful tips just on this point in sharing, sharing uh, or leading someone to Jesus. The first one is this. Focus on God's love towards them. Okay? Don't start off with you're a sinner. Just focus on they are loved. Often people think God is up in heaven with a big stick, big stick waiting for us to make a mistake so he can punish us. Okay? That is not our God. 
For God so loved the world. It starts with his love towards us. That he gave its love and then it's a gift, his one and only son, that the whosoever, which is you and I, believes in him, will not perish but have everlasting life. Focus on God's love for him. The second thing to understand is this. Help them understand that sin separates us from God. It separates us. And sin is a heavy word, but don't, don't skip over sin. A lot of people have replaced sin with poor choice. Sin is sin. You can't replace sin with another word. It's, it's what separates us from God. And sin is simply missing the mark. Missing the mark or disobeying God. And we've all done it. Explain that we've all done it. The Bible says, for all have sinned, Romans 3.23, and fallen short of the glory of God. And so explain that our sin needs to be paid for. So God sent Jesus to this earth to pay for our sin. And guess what? He paid in advance. The fourth thing to remember in this, in this point of telling them God's story, explaining the gospel is, I always land on this, that God desires a relationship with you and I. He actually desires it. Many, many can, people can assume that God is just an angry God or is disinterested in him, but God desires. James 4, 8 says, come near to God and he will come near to you. Amen. And then step number four. Is this is the invitation, invite them to rewrite their story. Okay? Invite them, listen to their story, share your story, invite them to God's story, and then invite them to rewrite their story. Now, this is the moment where we ask them the most important question they've ever been asked. Oftentimes, we get nervous about this, we assume that this prayer needs to come from a pastor or someone religious. But as any follower of Jesus can lead someone to Jesus. Okay? Any follower of Jesus can lead someone to Jesus. You could be 12 years old. I remember I was 10 years old when I led my first person to Jesus in middle school. Wow. Remember his name? Andrew. I led him to Jesus. At 10 years old, I started leading people to Jesus. Any Christian can lead someone to Jesus. Okay? Now, the rubber is about to hit the road. Okay? And this is the tragedy. I think, I think probably as Christians, we do all the good work and then we stop and we get scared. We pull back. We pull back. Because this is the question. This is the question I want you to write in your car. This is the question I want you to write. Would you like to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior right now? Would you? Not would you like to come to church or would you like to go for another coffee? Would you like to invite Jesus to be your personal savior right now? Now, I'm going to share with you just a few tips before you ask that question. That's the big question, but I want to share with you a few tips to help you. The first tip is this. Don't take any response personally. Okay? You are the messenger. The Holy Spirit will take the message and give your neighbor understanding, but you are simply a messenger of Jesus. It's not your message. It's his message. I have asked people whether they wanted to, 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 to follow Jesus, and they've said no. That's okay. That's okay. It's not going to stop me doing it again. Okay, I've asked people to come to church, and they've said no. But the majority of people I've ever asked that question have all said yes. 
But there are times, you're right, where people might not be ready for that question. I was witnessing to someone this week, and I'd taken them to steps one, two, and three, and I didn't feel like they were quite ready for step four. It's okay. Okay, this is where the Holy Spirit will help us and guide us. Okay, so don't take any response personally. Second tip would be this. Be willing to answer questions, but don't be afraid to say that you don't know the answer. There's a whole lot of things in the Bible I don't get. Okay, I don't understand. Who's ever been like, people ask you a question about God, the Bible, church, and you're like, I have no clue. I was in a professional environment a few months ago, and... uh, there was a group, it was a group of players, and they asked me a question, and I had no idea what was the answer. I'm like, where's Steve Morstan when you need him? Where is our resident theologian when you need him? He's in the airport, angry. Anyway, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> and so this is what I said. I said, hey, just hold that thought. I'm going to come back to you next week. Okay? You can always hold a thought. It's like anything in life, just hold the thought. There will be times when people ask you questions about God, and you're going to go, I'm not sure. You know, people ask me, did Eve have a belly button? It's a good question. It's a great question. Did Eve have a belly button? Steve, come up and explain the answer to that question. So then, search for the answers in God's Word, get wise counsel, and come back to people. Okay? I got asked this week, will my dog be in heaven? Good question. Who thinks this is a legitimate who's got a little who's got a little dog and you want them to make sure they're in heaven? Yeah? Well, that's a great question. You know what? People have questions about our faith. We don't have to have all the answers there and then. We won't have a dog in heaven. Third, fourth tip in this is ready? Ask the Holy Spirit to come upon you. Acts 1 8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. Before God asks us to be his witnesses, it says we will receive power. Note this we don't have to rely on our own power, but through the power of the Holy Spirit. I just want to add this one in as well is read the moment. When you're leading someone to Jesus, read the moment. You will know when it's time to ask the question because the Holy Spirit is a prompter. Leading someone to Jesus isn't supposed to be robotic. It's it's not meant to be scripted and, oh, John, Pastor John said, I need to get to step number four before we do this. I mean, that's not how it works. It's natural. It's relaxed. And, you know, if necessary, skip some steps. You know, there's a handful of times in my life I've jumped straight to step four. I've visited people in hospital for a number of years, and um, I remember one time I was in South Africa visiting a dear, a dear lady, and in the bed next door to her, there was someone who was evidently about to cross into eternity. Well, I didn't have time to take her for coffee. I didn't have time to listen to her story. She certainly didn't have time to listen to my story. And so I saw the situation. I went straight to her and said, do you know Jesus as your personal savior? And she shook her head. And in that moment, I led her to Christ. I don't think I even knew her name. There are times, and if you are ever around people in their dying moments, don't wait for a chaplain. This is your moment to lead someone to Jesus. The thief on the cross, he wasn't in a connect group. 
He didn't give during half the house. He didn't come to the wonder, yet he acknowledged Jesus. And in that moment, Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. We were traveling. Um, my sister, my mum and dad were traveling to Oldborough in Suffolk many years ago. And we were just young children. We were going through a small town called Halesworth. And as we were going through, there was a big crash. I was asleep on the back seat. And as I woke up, there was a car and it was covered in logs. And there'd been a head-on collision. Anyway, by the way, there's no phones back then where you could just pull a mobile phone and call an ambulance. I remember Dad went to the vehicle in front, and there was a man, and he'd been crushed to death. And in that moment, Dad didn't have time to do steps one, two, three. He went straight to four. He says, do you know Jesus? And he held his hand, and he led him to the Lord. Why? Because this is life and death. This is life and death. This isn't... This isn't you need a paramedic, you need a savior. And in that moment, I learned a lesson that that is legacy. That man, I don't know if dad ever even knew his name. All he did was hold his hand as he crossed from death to life, from darkness to light. We're all going to be in situations in life, sadly, where we are in those moments. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. And I want to encourage you empowered by the Holy Spirit to be his witnesses. And if they're ready to make that decision, follow Jesus, pray a simple prayer. And the prayer is simply an acknowledgement of who God is, of who I am, and my need for a savior because of my sin. It doesn't have to be all dressed up. It doesn't have to be. They don't even need to close their eyes. They don't need to kneel They just need to acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He's paid for their sins with his precious blood, and they can have freedom through Christ. I think we can all do that. I think if we are followers of Jesus, we can all lead someone to Jesus. Number five, and I love this one, is celebrate with them as they join God's story. This is a huge moment. This is where we're excited. Luke 15.10 says, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of angels of God over one sinner. One sinner who repents. This is where we celebrate the reality that they are fully forgiven and have eternal life. Can I just be honest? We've lost the wonder of salvation in our church over the last 12 months. We've lost the wonder. You know, salvation is the most beautiful, sacred, holy moment we can ever have in our church. It's, it's greater than anything when someone slips up their hand. You know, if we're doing a golf clap on earth, the angels are jumping up and down in heaven because someone has been rescued from eternal death into eternal life. When someone screws that light bulb in, when someone screws that light bulb in, it's not just, oh, there's another one. That's someone. That's somebody, someone. That's someone's mom or dad or child who's crossing it. I want us to put our coffees down. When they, 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 when they ring that cowbell, I want us to begin to cheer. And when people say, what's going on? Someone else has found Jesus. Someone else is a follower. Someone else has joined the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Celebrate. May we never lose the wonder. Amen. The wonder of salvation. You know, at Christmas... I've had so many people upset, oh, I can't get to the wonder. Christians, 
Mate, you shouldn't be upset. You've just created a space for someone, for someone to find Jesus. Whoa. What a privilege it is to stay home for two Sundays and pray that someone, the seat that you sit in every week. Someone else is keeping it warm and I hope you never get it back. I hope you have to stand around the edge the next time we open the doors on December the 18th. I hope this place is so full because it's the wonder of salvation. Come on, if salvation doesn't get you excited, how can we stand? Hang on, hang on. How can we stand and jump up and down? Because someone scored a goal. And by the way, I'm the first one off my seat. Which in eternity means nothing. Whether we win the World Cup or we don't, who knows what will happen. All I know is it means nothing, nothing Nothing, nothing in the light of eternity. But when somebody, I'm so glad that that person led my dad to the Lord on South World Beach as a young man. Someone took time out of their school holidays to help him find Jesus because that someone, that someone is legacy. Gotta celebrate. Gotta celebrate. Number six is we've got to walk with them into their story. We've got to walk with them. It's no good just dropping them off. Have a great Christian walk. I've got to get back to my Netflix. We've got to walk with them. We've got to walk with people. 2 Timothy 2.2 says, And what you have heard from me in the presence of my enemies, entrust the faithful men who will be able to teach others also. For the last 16 years, I've been able to, to walk with my friend Spencer and his family. We've been through some ups and downs, lots of questions, lots of setbacks, lots of comebacks. But don't lead anyone to Christ who you're not prepared to journey with. Journey with them. Journey with them. The decision isn't the end of the journey, it's the start of the journey. It's the start. And you've got to help them because a lot of people put their hand up in church, become a Christian, and they think all their problems are going to dissolve. It's just the start for some. So we've got to disciple people and help people. Next year, Steve and Rachel and Matt and Ingvild and the team, we are, just, we are absolutely committed to discipleship. We are more committed to discipleship as a church than ever before. Jesus said, don't go and make decisions, make disciples. We're putting, we're putting classes in place. We're putting strategy in place. We want to make sure that people aren't just, just making a decision, putting a hand up, screwing a light bulb in. We want to journey with people. We want to watch people as they journey together. And we want to help people grow in faith. Faith isn't, faith isn't a destination. It's a journey. We go on together. So we walk with them into their story. And number seven and finally, Watch them introduce others to God's story. Oh, this is the best bit. I think one of the most rewarding parts of leading someone to Christ is helping, is watching them help others change their story. Lee Daniels, who was in our first service, I remember the first night he came into to Wildlife, which was the youth group that I ran. Imagine calling a youth group Wildlife. 
I just taught them all just to be wild about life, the wild things, the good things. I remember Lee Daniels, 13, 14 year old, came in, he thought he was a gangster. He got taken away in a police car the first night in, in youth. Absolute tear away. I mean, honestly, potty mouthed a lot. But the hand of God was on him. I remember the night that he gave his life to Jesus. I remember standing with him at the front and leading him to Christ. Wow. Amazing. Now he's happily married. Took him to, took him to uh, Finland on a mission trip. He came back with a wife. He's meant to be looking after my bag. He's got a beautiful little daughter. God's hand is all over him. Now he's working for an incredible organization called Teen Challenge, who are coming to Norwich in just a few weeks' time, helping others, helping lead others into the kingdom. He's led countless others. You know how, how rewarding it is just to sit in church and look around and see people that you've led to the Lord? Look at Pete Reeve there. Met him in a sports shop, charity night. Listened to his story. God's just got hold of him. Incredible. Married to the beautiful Vicky. Seeing God's life, God's blessing all over their lives. And wow. There's nothing more rewarding. That's legacy. That's legacy. Get a career, 100%. Put as much money away for the kids as possible. But all those things will eventually fade away. But the one thing that will last is when you invite someone to be part of God's family. My greatest legacy will be this, not the building on Hartsey's Lane, because one day it will probably fall over, because it's a building. Buildings all over this county that are falling over, roofs caving in. There were cathedrals 100 years ago. That's not legacy. The greatest legacy of my life is this. Someone will be in heaven because of me. Your garden won't mean anything in heaven. I know you love your garden. I love my garden. But none of that will mean anything. The only thing that matters in this life is leading people to Jesus. So the question is this. Is anyone going to be in heaven because of me? I can't answer that for you. You can't answer that for me. But I'm committed to listening to them share their story. Sharing them my story. Telling them about God's story. Inviting them to rewrite their story. Celebrating with them as they join God's story. Walking with them as they go into their new story and watching them as they introduce others to God's story. I want to finish with this. In Matthew chapter 419, Jesus is building his group, group of disciples, and he says this. He says, follow me, and I'll show you how to fish for people. What Jesus is saying here is this. If you're not fishing, are you really following I'm going to say it again. If you're not fishing, are you really following? Can I really be a true follower of Jesus if I'm not fishing? It's time to go fishing. 
Now, if, if you've been challenged today, not by what I've said, but maybe the Holy Spirit has challenged you in this area, I want you to stand right now. This, is, this standing is not just John said stand, everyone stand, but you are, you're standing because you want to be used by God not to bring people to church, but you're committed. You're committing to leading personally somebody to Jesus, to having the courage to ask the question, do you know Jesus as your personal Savior? I want you to stand right now if you're committed to that. If you're committed, you'll be challenged. Stand in your home, in your living room, your kitchen, wherever you're watching from, I want you to stand right now. Jesus is challenging his church at the end of this year. Saying, if we're not fishing, are we really following? I want to be used of God. I just don't want to be known as a great preacher or a bad preacher, whatever category you put me in. I want to be known as an individual who personally leads people to Jesus. Here's the challenge. I've written a prayer today, and at the end of the prayer, we're going to say the final line all together. It's going to come up on the screen, but let me pray for you first. Let's close our eyes. Father God, you have called us to leave a legacy on this earth. So we ask that you would give us boldness to lead others to you. I pray this message today and this series will motivate all of us to get serious about leading someone to Christ. We ask for divine opportunities to listen, to share, to pray for others. We pray for the people in our lives that do not know you, that someone would have the courage to share Jesus. Let's say this all together out loud. Father God, use me to bring someone to you in the next 12 months. Amen. Amen. Objection plus action plus invitation leads to salvation. I hope this series has been as challenging for you as it has for me. The command is go. Now I'm going to go. Are you going to come with me? I want to be known as a fisherman. I want to be a fisherman, not just a follower. God, I pray that right now that you would turn us, not just from followers, Father, but to fishermen. Fishermen, Father God, of you. Help us, Father God. Give us grace. Give us strength for the people in our world who don't know you yet, Father God. Lord, I pray for a breakout of salvation over our county, a breakout of salvation in our schools, in our colleges, in our universities. Lord, I pray for courage that we would rise up, Father, again, Father. Lord, I pray, Father God, that you would create, Father, a new passion for you, Father God. Evangelists would rise up. Prophets would speak up, Father God. Apostles would step out, Father God. Father, teachers would train themselves, Father. We would see the five-fold ministry at work, Father, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Come on, let's declare this out. Hallelujah. Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Maybe you arrived today in church. You're watching online and you don't know Jesus. Maybe you've heard today and thought, wow, if someone would just listen to me, listen to my story. Maybe you've had a bad experience of church, a bad experience of a Christian. I'm so sorry that you've experienced that, but you might have a bad experience of a Christian, but you'll never have a bad experience of a Christ. 
He loves you. He loves you so much. He died for you. He took, he took our place. He took the sin, separates us from God. He paid that price in advance so that we could have freedom. And today, we never close a service without extending an invitation for you to receive Jesus. Maybe unlike the Christians you've experienced, Jesus is kind, Jesus is compassionate, Jesus is loving. Jesus is everything that you and I need. And all that's left for us to do is receive the gift. It's a gift of salvation. I'm just going to ask everyone to close their eyes. Maybe you're watching online. This, this opportunity is for you as well. But so you say, today, John, I want to receive the gift of Jesus. I'll be honest, I've had a bad experience of the church and Christians. Maybe you grew up in a Christian home and you kind of rebelled against it. But today... This is your opportunity to to come home. Maybe you've never, ever experienced the gift of salvation today. You can freely receive it. What I'm going to do is, in just a moment, I'm going to pray. It's called the prayer of salvation. But I'm going to ask you that question right now. Do you know Jesus as your personal Savior? And if you can't wholeheartedly say yes to that question for whatever reason, all I want you to do right now slip up your hand and say yes I need Jesus one two three all over this room slip up nice and high say pray for me God bless you God bless you God bless you God bless you do you know Jesus as your personal saviour God bless you anyone else online this is your opportunity too we're cheering you on we're cheering you on amazing alright why don't we why don't we say the prayer we'll say it together I love saying the salvation prayer because it reminds me of the day I said it for the first time. I think you can never say it enough. You ready? I'll say a line, you repeat it after me. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me to forgive all my sin and failures so that I can have a brand new start. Please come into my life and help me by the power of the Holy Spirit to trust and to live for you Amen. 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 Come on, let's put our hands together and congratulate everyone who said that prayer. Maybe you lifted your hand, maybe you didn't. It's not about your hand, it's about your heart. Our team are going to be out in the atrium afterwards. We want to give you a gift, it's a Bible. And this is the part of where we want to walk the journey with you. We don't want you to leave here alone after saying that prayer. We want to make sure we connect you in disciple you and help you. And you've probably got loads of questions about faith and Christianity. Well, hopefully some of our team can help you along the way and cheer you on. So if you're watching online, why don't you download the Bible app? Let someone know, just type something in the chat, say, hey, I've decided to become a Christian today and we'd love to connect with you online too. Well, what a fantastic opportunity today. I don't know about you, but I've been challenged. I've been challenged to take that series, take that command off the pages of the Bible into my heart and onto the streets. Now the opportunity is for us this Christmas to go. Amen. 
Thanks again for tuning in. And if you said the salvation prayer today, we'd love for you to email connecttofaith at soulchurch.com so we can talk to you a little bit more about this incredible decision that you've just made. Yeah, you know, and if at any point in the service you felt moved to give towards any of our local or global initiatives, then head to soulchurch.com and click on the giving at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us today. And we hope to see you again soon. God bless.